transitioning to a weekly look at the COVID literature from the School of Nursing at Johns Hopkins. I'm Elizabeth Tracy here with Patricia Davidson. So Trish, thanks for joining me. I know it's a busy time. Thanks so much, Elizabeth, for telling these important stories at this very busy, complex, and sometimes bewildering time in history. I'll say, I'll second that notion. So why don't we talk first about the CDC has issued some recommendations in view of so many states reopening. What do you really need to consider if you're considering going to a gathering? The CDC provides some pretty explicit and useful guidelines, but I think perhaps the most important takeaway was the tagline, plan, prepare, and respond. And that can be a bit stressful sometimes. We all know even just walking out the door, do I have a mask? But thinking about who's going to be there, thinking about is the host of the event going to be mindful and considerate? Is it in a place where you can guarantee six feet distance between everybody? And I love the six feet distance because, you know, that all comes from Florence Nightingale. The things I think that concern me is you add alcohol to any of these events, you add emotion to any of these events. I think for all of these, the key principles remain. And a moving target, as you've already said. And since we're talking about large gatherings, why don't we mention some of the risks that may be there for COVID transmission among the many people who are taking to the streets to protest George Floyd's death, as well as the death of other people in police custody. I'm so glad you brought that up. As we know, in those situations, your level of control is limited. It's important to wear masks, try and maintain six feet distance. Some people actually have thought about advising um, to wear goggles, and that's maybe not a bad idea because we know that tear gas, smoke, and other chemicals can be very, very painful. People have to appraise their own level of risk? Do they have any chronic health issues? And then the other thing is to be a responsible citizen. If you are not well, do not go on the march. It's a very challenging time and the heartbreak and suffering of many is very evident and I am very sorry for the suffering. Yes, let us turn then to a bright note. And that is the release yesterday. And admittedly, this is a release of raw data. This is not an analyzed or peer-reviewed publication, but gosh, dexamethasone, cheap, readily available, abundant experience dealing with it clinically, reducing deaths by 33 by a third among people who were on ventilators with COVID-19. So, yes, I agree. Some good news. People have thought that potentially impairing someone's immune system might not be a good thing in the case of critical illness. It's a bit like how we used to give lots of paracetamol or Tylenol to get down people's temperatures, but then we've realised fever at a reasonable level is not a bad thing. This recovery trial out of the United Kingdom, over 21,000 patients, randomised control trial, participants from hospitals all across the NHS is very, very promising. But of course, in the context of some recent redactions and withdrawals of publications, we will wait and I'm sure people will take a lot of time in reviewing the data and determining responses. 
this is a clear example of the importance of evidence-based decision-making. It is very exciting. And the fact that it's cheap, that it will be readily accessible. And we know that at particular doses, the adverse event profile is not high. So it'll be really good to understand it more and to really keep studying this so that we work out what is the ideal dose and what is the ideal patient profile in which it's going to be most beneficial. Very good. So that's a look at this week's recap from the COVID-19 literature. I'm Elizabeth Tracy. Well, thanks so much, Elizabeth. And thanks for all you're doing at the moment to help the world decipher this voluminous amount of information.